Yo. Welcome to the Autumn Miles Show. Autumn is a best-selling author, popular speaker, and wife who is obsessed with her husband and four crazy kids. She is also the CEO of the Autumn Miles Ministry, as well as a lipstick and lash enthusiast. Autumn's vision is to speak to the culture with bold truth and challenge you to act in raw faith. Here's Autumn Miles. Hey, hey, it's your girl, Autumn Miles. How are you? I pray everyone is healthy and we are relying on the stability of our King Jesus right now. I know me and my family are. I know it is crazy what we're hearing in the headlines right now, but you know what? God is always greater. God is always greater. So I hope this show kind of gets your mind maybe off of some of the things in the headlines and just sort of refreshes you. This is a show about hope. Um, but but in the show, I do want to make you aware that this is a topic not for little ears. With my four kids, I probably would uh, usher them out of the room. We are going to be talking about pornography addiction and how to get through that. So I want you just to give you a minute while I do my PSAs to get your little ones out of the room or out of the car. Or if it's not, yeah, don't like leave them on the side of the road. That would be bad. If you cannot listen at this time because of little ears, subscribe to the podcast. We will be podcasting this show. Go to the podcast and download it and this will help you, okay? The name of the book that we're going to be talking about is Fight for Love and my guest is a wife. Her husband was addicted to pornography and they have come out of it and have put their marriage back together and it is what a lot of people these days need to hear. So, Download the podcast. It will be available in the next two days. I do want to tell you that our podcast is now available on Spotify as well. And I know I'm a Spotify user, so go and make sure you you follow along so you can get the updates to it. My guest today is Rosie McKinney, and we are going to cover her book, Fight for Love. And I want to go ahead so we can get into some conversation with her, welcoming her to the show. Rosie, how are you today, my dear? I am very, I'm very well. I'm still laughing about the fact she said, don't leave your children on the side of the road. (laughs) (laughs) You kind of never know what I'm going to say over here, which I think a lot of people (laughs) like. It's very unpredictable at times. I love it. Yeah. Don't leave your kids on the side of the road. That would not be good. Um, But (laughs) but you, you're, you, you have written this book, Fight for Love. Um, I have a lot of personal questions myself, but can you give me sort of the overall uh, heart behind this book? Yes, absolutely. Excuse me. So this was our story about 10 years ago. um, And after getting into recovery, I sort of started my own group. My husband did. And then once um, our marriage was on the road to recovery, we just really felt um, led to, you know, read a message of hope to other couples. So my husband retrained as a certified sexual addiction therapist. And um, I've been running groups for wives and we've been doing talks to, you know, couples and men and women and parents. Um, and what there are two there is two messages that have just been um, coming out of sort of ten years of working with you know hundreds of couples. Two things that really stood out. The first one is that um, husbands generally get into recovery when their wives put their foot down. Mm. It's it's that moment when she actually goes, enough. I'm Mm. not taking this anymore. But the second thing is, 
wives don't get to that point of saying enough until they reach a point of desperation. Mm. I, it's, it's sort of this um, desperate ultimatum. And my whole um, message is that why can't I get to those women beforehand? Why can't I um, give them the information that they really need to know in those early days, those early days of confusion, those early days of trying desperately to fix this problem on their own and trying all these futile strategies? Um, why can't I get to them with like a message of, hey, this is what you need to do. This is what's going to work. And save them those years of pain so that they don't have to um, do a desperate ultimatum. They just do calm, early intervention. Mm. So that's the whole point behind it. I just want to save couples, you know, years of going through um, misery and pain and these endless cycles of, you know, promising to stop and then it doesn't work, promising to stop and then it doesn't work. You know, let's just start off right at first. Okay, can you share a little bit about your your own personal story? Because this is happening. I mean, even your your press release that they sent us said 79% of men attending evangelical church use porn. So this is rampant in our churches. I know um, my, I, me, myself, has been affected by it. I know lots of friends that um, have been affected by it. And we're, you know, we, you, it is everywhere. It is absolutely everywhere. Um, so can you share a little bit about your personal story and how you and your husband, uh, maybe what D-Day was when you, you were like, oh, my goodness, this has to stop? And um, how you uh, you personally worked through it. And then we'll get into the guts of the book. Great. So my story is a little bit different in the details than most people's story. Um, but the arc of the journey is exactly the same. So what happened in my case is that before becoming a Christian, um, because I sort of became a Christian in my early 30s, before that I was already in a long-term relationship um, with an unrepentant poor addict porn addicts. So I had been through this cycle. I had wasted years mm. and years trying to plead it away, trying to placate it away, trying to pray it, no, not pray it at that point, but, um, you know, I tried everything and it didn't work. Mm. So I become a Christian. I met my husband. Um, and then when this, you know, reared its ugly head in our marriage, I was like, oh, I have been around this before. I know where this leads. I am not going there again. And it was just that knee-jerk reaction, like, enough. I just felt this overwhelming sense of, no, I am not doing this again. I know. I, I, you know, it was, it was sort of supernatural strength to, enough, enough, straight off. And so, and this happened really quickly. It was like day eight of the honeymoon. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. It was, that, it was that overwhelming, like, I am not going around this again. I think it was sort of PTSD, like, I've already yeah. done this. I'm not, this is not happening again. Yeah. And it was such a huge, a huge thing to do. You know, my parents had spent thousands of dollars. All my friends and family had just witnessed me make these promises. Um, and it was like, no, I am not yeah. doing this. This is, this is a holy marriage and I am not doing this. I am serious. Um, so I, you know, I couldn't do it any earlier. We were stuck on a remote Italian island. Oh my gosh. <laughs> couldn't actually get away and do this. Well, got back and I was like, right. I'm freezing the bank account. I'm calling the divorce lawyer. This is not happening again. Wow. Um, so I did early intervention accidentally. It wasn't because I knew that it was the right thing to do. It's just because, you know, life, circumstances, whatever, had already given me the life experience to know that leaving it, competing with it, is not going to work. It's not going to You're and not going to win. Really, it's not going to win. It's mm. not going to win. 
Um, and fortunately, um, you know, the silver lining in my situation is that my husband was ready to get help. Oh, good. He had tried everything. He had wasted, not wasted, but he had um, invested thousands of dollars trying all sorts of things. He had lost a previous marriage to this. Mm. He was, so we started at ground zero. It was really ground zero. And most marriages, you know, have this trajectory as they start on this high and then things might come down a little bit. We started the other way. I was mm. like ground zero. And then we've just been building up ever since. Wow. Okay. So day eight of your honeymoon, this comes out. And yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people would have bailed and been like, okay, we're not doing this. Uh, but you stuck with it. And um, your book is really about hope. And I just feel like, like to women specifically, this is such a daunting, like it is, it is a, an addiction that men go through. And your book talks a, a, lo- a lot about the science behind the porn addiction. Would you, would you care to share a little bit about that before we go on? Um, I would love to. I, for me personally, once I understood the neurochemistry behind what was going on, it just removes so much shame mm. issue. And it removed that nagging fear that somehow this was my fault. You know, this had happened to me before. Maybe it was just me. Maybe there was something lacking in me that was, you know, forcing these people to go and seek um, pleasure elsewhere. Maybe it was my fault. And then when I looked at the science, I was like, oh, no, this is not me. This is what's happening in the brain. Mm. So um, it's basically, in a nutshell, um, porn hijacks the reward center of our brain. So deep in our brain, there's a primitive reward circuitry that produces dopamine and a cocktail of other feel-good chemicals every time we do something that theoretically furthers our survival. So whenever we do an activity like eating or having sex, we're biologically rewarded. And this motivates us to repeat the behavior. But the trouble is, um, it doesn't always reward the right things. It can be hijacked by counterfeit substitutes. Mm. So you don't need me to tell you that, you know, highly calorific food produces more of that feel-good neurotransmitter dopamine. Just thinking about donuts makes you happy, right? Yeah, like my ice cream but, um, sundae I had last night to deal with the coronavirus, it felt pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But although, you know, a diet consisting of, um, you know, ice cream sundaes might feel good for a while, you know that long-term it's going to lead to a whole host of <laughs> health issues. Yeah. And the case is exactly, the, you know, the same with porn, except there's one crucial difference with porn one that makes it dangerous from the very first bite. You know, porn's not simply sexual junk food. It's poison. Mm-hmm. Because as you watch porn, your brain is tricked into pumping out the same feel-good cocktail as it would when you see or physically engage with a real mate. Mm. However, if you were having a real romantic encounter, eventually you'd feel satisfied. There's a natural built-in off switch for natural pleasures like food and sex. Dopamine stops being produced. But with internet porn, there's no off switch. Mm. The dopamine just keeps on coming. You can literally binge for days. Mm. All you need to keep that dopamine endlessly surging is click on something new, something more stimulating. And the key here is novelty or surprise. And, you know, in one session of porn, you can click on hundreds Mm. of potential mating partners and flood your brain with dopamine. There's no way that one woman can compete with that experience. And that's why, you, you know, you might have heard in the news why, you know, Pornhub are now um, giving away subscription services to Italy who are quarantined. Mm. It's, uh, you know, they're just switching one public health crisis for another. Yeah. 
Wow. Okay. So here, that's the science behind it. So your body is yeah. is creating, a, what do you call it? I'm not a doctor. A chemical? Is that what you would call it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, to to keep you stimulated, and one woman cannot uh, satisfy that ever because <laughs> it's not you know exactly. so what so that we we know the science now now that you've explained the science behind it how does a man go from um you know stopping that to being satisfied by his wife or vice versa even there's a lot of women that women that are addicted to porn what 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 yeah, is the next step what do we do okay yes we know it's addictive behavior now what I love the fact that you raised um, the point that a lot of women struggle to. That's mm. really important because those num- numbers are rapidly growing. You know, we've got a third of young women now watching porn regularly, you know, and those numbers are just getting bigger and bigger. So your question was, what do we do? How do we retrain the brain? Well, interestingly enough, porn is not actually the problem. Porn is the solution to a much deeper problem, and that's an intimacy disorder. Mm. So recovery from porn is not just about... Um, eliminating the porn. It's about creating something new, something that was probably not even there in the first place. Mm. It certainly wasn't there for us. Um, And this is um, an ability to truly connect and be intimate because porn is used as a coping mechanism to deal with uncomfortable feelings. And Mm. you get addicted to the high that you get. So the way to, um, uh, you know, you can't just take the porn out of the equation. You have to replace it with something. Way that you replace it is a beautiful biblical principle, and that is fellowship. Mm. The way that we get fellowship can be found very clearly in 1 John 1 7 walk in the light as he is in the light, and the blood of his son Jesus Christ will cleanse us from our sin. Mm. That's how we get fellowship with one another. It's that simple. It's not easy, but Mm. it's really simple. We need to be radically honest with ourselves, with God, but with other people as well. And that allows you know, that he who is in the light to minister through those people to you. And once you feel truly known and truly loved, it is astonishing. And that is what breaks um, the, the chains of addiction. Mm. And, you know, you see it in, you know, 12-step meetings all around the world. Yeah. How does it work? We just go. We just confess our sins. People just go, thanks for sharing. There's no judgment. There's no um, shame. And people get healed. Suddenly they find the strength to say no. Do you think fellowship? I have a question. This is really, I don't, it wasn't one I was planning on asking, but do you think that there has been such a surge in porn in the last, I don't know, 20 years or whatever, and it's because people are connecting less with other people, like we're on social media all the time and we're, we're watching people, but we're not connecting with them? Do you think that could be a possible surge in all of this? And maybe, maybe I guess, to the, um, the fact that it's readily available at the click of a browser. I, what do you think? Yeah, I think, that's a contri- I think that's a contributing factor. But I would say the overwhelming reason that um, pornography addiction has just, the numbers have just skyrocketed, is the fact that we're now dealing with Internet porn. And Internet mm. porn is different from your printed magazine porn because... Um, with internet porn, you have this endless novelty. Mm-hmm. Um, you can just you can just click on something new, something new, something new, and um, eventually, just like any other drug, um, when you're using pornography, you build up tolerance. So what you started out watching, you know, after a while, kind of becomes meh, 
not really doing yeah. it for me anymore. So you have to click on something new, something novelty, and the internet will take you as deep and as dark as you want to go. And this is why, you know, the production of really vile, horrific, um, you know, abuse is getting worse and worse because there is a market for it because people are becoming tolerant to what they're watching. Mm. So this is why we really need, as a nation, to go, we need to stop this because it's only going to lead um, to worse and worse exploitation. Um, so in your, in, oh my goodness, I'm trying to help. I'm trying to find it. And for some reason, I can't find uh, what I was getting ready to to go for. But you say that there's some bad advice that uh, that people give wives when they discover their husbands is involved in a, a, a porn addiction. Um, I don't know the exact wording for it. I can't find it in my notes. Can you talk about that a little bit? Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Yeah, the two main um, themes of bad advice are one is that um, more sex is the answer, that it is mm. possible for you to compete with it. But this also is implies that somehow you were to cause it, you caused the problem, yeah. which, as I've just explained, is so not true. More sex is never going to, um, going to fix this issue. It just really isn't. Um, and the other sort of theme of bad advice is you, just, you can love him out of this. If you are graceful enough, if you are forgiving enough, if you turn a blind eye, um, this is the way that you support your husband by not heaping on shame, you know, not confronting him. And it, it sounds good in theory. You, you, you know, your, your flesh wants to go, do you know what, I'm just going to really be a supportive wife and I'm just going to be here for him and I'm just going to love him. However, mm. and I'm not dissing that advice, you know, in a lot of um, marital issues, it's really good to be forgiving. It's really good to be graceful. It's really good to over, overlook those faults. You know, we're all sinners. However, when there is an addiction, you cannot turn a blind eye. Mm. It is, you know, I would say irresponsible and unloving to turn a blind eye. If your husband was sneaking out of bed and doing cocaine in the middle of the night, there's no way you'd go, oh, I'm just going to sit here and pray for him. Yeah. You'd be downstairs going, what are you doing? What are you doing right. in our house? You know? So those are two things that I feel like uh, are told a lot. So let's 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 make this super practical. We have about six minutes left, and I want to make sure that I get this. We have a we have lots of wives that are listening right now, and we have lots of husbands that are listening, and vice versa. Maybe the husband is not addicted, but the wife is. So let's just talk to spouses. Uh, they they one one person knows the other one is engaged in a porn addiction practically what should they do okay three steps firstly educate yourself you need to have enough knowledge behind you to feel confident that you're making the right decision there is so much pressure to turn a blind eye or actually just join in especially from the world you need to educate yourself and feel really secure and there are lots of ways to do that we've just you know there's the book but there's also we've just released a podcast fight for love where there's a panel of wives, their wives, their marriages are now porn-free, and we talk you through, um, you know, why it's a problem, what you can do about it. So educate yourself. Okay. Um, the second step, take a firm stand. The only effective way to deal with pornography in your marriage is to take a firm stance of zero tolerance, and the sooner you can do it, the better. How, how practically would they take a firm stand? What are some things that they should do? You need to have that hard conversation and... You don't need to be confrontational. You don't need to be aggressive or be threatening. But 
um, just put it out there and say, look, I've done the research. I know this is an issue in our marriage. I love you too much and our mm. marriage too much to actually stay silent. Yeah. We're going to get help. And if you're not in a position where you feel you can get help, I'm going to get help because I need support. And what's so often overlooked is that this really affects wives. Mm. It affects them on every level, emotionally, spiritually, physically, sexually. It really is damaging. Yeah. Just like any other co-addiction, it really is. So they need support. But ideally, you'll both get into it together. So, you know, approach it like a team thing. Like, we've got this hole in the boat. We need to fix it. Mm. And find somebody qualified. Please find somebody qualified. There's a lot of well-meaning help out there. You really do need someone who understands about porn addiction and there's slightly different counseling than it needs. You need, a, you need basically someone to act as a, pre, as a surrogate prefrontal cortex mm. for the addict mm. before he starts thinking straight himself. Mm. So we've got educate, take a firm stand, and then thirdly, support. Mm. Support. Going back to that fellowship, mm. it's not only your husband who needs to walk in the light and be honest, so do you. Yeah. You're going to heal. You're going to feel, you know the love and support and good counsel from other wives in that situation. And, you know, if you can afford it, go and see a therapist yourself. You know, mm. you're going to have a lot of trauma there yourself from being um, betrayed but also deceived. Deception that really traumatizes wives because they don't understand. How can you, how can you love me and yet you keep breaking your promise to me? Mm. This is such great information. I, I want to just read through these just because of time. Uh, misconceptions around porn. It's my fault. He wouldn't do it if he really loved me. I can compete with porn, which some of these we went over. Porn is harmless. Porn addiction isn't a real thing. I don't know who would say that. I feel like, I mean, I feel like everybody kind of knows. They should know, at least. I need to get over myself and lower my expectations. Everybody does it. A porn-free marriage is unrealistic, which I do think that that is um, is the mindset of a lot of people. Um, in the last couple minutes that we have talk to that woman and or man, um, that is kind of in that boat. Like this is unrealistic and the, the mountain is too high for me to, cl- for us to climb out of this. Um, can yeah. you give them some hope? Absolutely. It does feel like David and Goliath. You look at what's going on in the world and the, and you just think, this is overwhelming. Um, This is actually affecting my husband's brain. How can I possibly get this out of my marriage? And you just have to remember, with David and Goliath, he only had a slingshot. Mm. And all he really did was be obedient to God. Mm. And although I've hit you with, like, the the neuroscience, all it's saying, all it's confirming is what, um, what is already in the Bible. It's just confirming the way to deal with this is by fleeing sexual immorality. This is not your will. This is God's will because he designed sex. He designed our bodies. He knows what's good for us. He knows what will happen if we go outside of those boundaries he set. And he knows, you know, this is him loving and protecting us. All we need to do is obey him. He He will even heal us and restore us and transform us. And the crazy thing about this whole process is that I am grateful for this experience because I now have a level of intimacy I've never had before, not only with my husband, but with a whole community. Of mm. And they feel exactly the same. We started this podcast and people said, you'll never get wives to come on it and share their stories. Everybody I asked was like, yes, yeah. I want to tell people that this is possible. And it, it's wonderful. It's glorious. It, you get so much more um, 
than you ever anticipate. It really is worth tackling it. And that's not to say that there's a golden guarantee. You know, some marriages do fall apart. Some men remain um, unrepentant. But even in those cases, the lives of the wives and their children are transformed for the better. They are out of something abusive and toxic. Mm. This has been a very powerful show, Rosie. And I mean, just thank you for your courage and your transparency. Um, it's kind of a taboo topic. We need to talk about it more. Um, this is real life. This is what real people are dealing with um, on, a, on a regular basis. So uh, my guest's name today was Rosie McKinney. Her book is Fight for Love. I'm assuming you can pre-order it now, Rosie. Is that right? Because it's not going to be out by the time we air. Yes. Okay. You order that would be lovely from so, anywhere you get your book. So definitely go, um, everyone who's listening, if this is like, oh my goodness, I need to get my hands on this book, which if you are in this, you do need help. You do need support. Go ahead and pre-order it. You'll be getting it. I mean, you can Amazon Prime. I mean, you'll get it as soon as it comes out. I know I've I've written three books, Rosie, and sometimes the Amazon people get it before <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so uh, they're really good about sending them out. The name of the book is Fight for love. Um, Rosie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your candor. Thank you, Autumn. I've really enjoyed our, our conversation. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who is listening. You can catch me right back here tomorrow on The Autumn Mile Show. The Autumn Mile Show is listener supported and your donation to keep her on the air is much appreciated. To make a donation, visit autumnmiles.com. And if you make a donation of $100 or more, you'll receive an autographed copy of her book of the month. This program is underwritten by Mary Maids of Fort Worth. Your future starts now. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Autumn Miles Show on the Word 100.7 FM.